right, welcome back to another episode of the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. I'm your host, Tyler Kusinoki, bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century. As always, I'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my DMs, as they were, are always open. My favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you. How are you? How are things going with college, with high school, with all of your applications? I want to know. I want to help. So please do send me your questions, concerns, feedback, episode ideas, complaints maybe, opinions, whatever it is to me directly. At the end of the day, this podcast is a community first forum for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox will always be open at tyler at theaccepted.podcast.com. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit about how schools are helping you prepare for the future, right? And evaluating them as you go about searching for your schools. But before we get into today's topic, I want to take a few moments to share some announcements about some upcoming events. So first of all, this Saturday, June 17th at 6 p.m. Japan Standard Time, my consulting team here in Tokyo will be hosting an exclusive webinar called Your Ultimate Guide to a College Admissions Boosting Summer. This is a roadmap for rising juniors and seniors designed by people who know how all of this works. I will be leading this talk and I am going to be focusing on how to help you get in through planning out your summer activities to create unique narratives and interesting talking points that are going to make sure that you stand out to college admissions officers. So in this info session, you will be getting a clear checklist for an action-packed summer and gain key insights from the previous admissions cycles as well. We will also be doing a live Q&A to address all of your unique concerns. And then the following day, our boarding school admissions team will be hosting a panel discussion. It will be Sunday, June 18th from 7 to 8 p.m. Japan Standard Time. Join us to learn all about cracking the boarding school admissions code. So if you're a younger student, this may be perfect for you. Our panel will include myself, our boarding school admissions team, and the head of our student research division. We are going to dive deep into boarding school admissions trends, learn from successful applications, and get insider tips on crafting an effective school list and essays and interviews. So do come get all your questions answered before the next application season kicks off and set your path for boarding school success. To join either of these webinars, you can register at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That is tokyoacademics.com slash events. And if you do register and you can't make it, you will still be receiving a recording. But obviously, we would like to see you there so you can ask your questions directly and get everything answered. So looking forward to seeing everybody this weekend. And that will be that for the announcements. Today's topic, lots to talk about. One of the things that I mentioned a few few weeks ago was this idea of schools and general education requirements. I went kind of on a rant about general education requirements and said, like, look, schools need to do better. We need to be equipping our students for the future. There needs to be a much more tangible, valuable return on investment, right? All of these different things uh, need to be covered, especially given how much we're going to be paying for university. And and so I wanted to give you a couple examples so that you can start to be thinking about when I am looking at a school and evaluating it, right? How much am I asking, actually asking for? What am I actually looking for on these school lists, on these school websites to determine whether or not this is actually something for me? Most students who come to me without working with me, right? Most students who come to me to do their college list, if they have started to do some college research, their college research is by and large, incredibly superficial. Even the ones who are pretty thorough about 
their lists and why they want to go there and whether or not they're qualified, whether or not it's a reach target and safety. I've had students come in with massive spreadsheets, but at the end of the day, those spreadsheets will largely cover some basics, right? The school name, the school rank, what are the test score requirements? What are the GPA requirements? Location and size of the school, do they offer my major? And then there may be a couple little factoids that they clearly, clearly took from the landing page of the of the school, and that's going to kind of be it. This, by and large, is a good starting point, but it is not going to be the level of research that you are looking for when you are thinking about this as the tremendous investment of time and money that it actually is. And I've made this comparison before, right, to shopping, that when you are researching that next computer upgrade that you're going to buy, or if you're researching that new handbag that you want to purchase, or you're looking into shoes, right, you always want to take some time to actually go a little bit further than what is the brand name, how high is it ranked on these websites that are like the top 10 the top 10 new laptops that you could buy, right? You actually want to delve deeper and look at very specific things. So I don't want to get into the whole like Mac versus window debate here. That's not what I'm about. But each of these computers, like even if we just do Mac versus Windows, there are use cases, right? Macs generally, although they have kind of broader appeal, of course, but Macs are and Apple as a business are designed for end user. Their end user is more in the creative and the production fields, right? Video editing, photo editing, right? Things that require a, managing a lot of different things all at the same time, right? Things that require a lot of computing power, right? And you can see this with their recent release of their new alternative reality, not alternative reality, their their new augmented reality, their headset. That headset is like 3,500 bucks. No one's going to buy this, but everyone's going to buy it who are in that specific field, who are going to want to use it to augment how they engage with their creative work, to augment how they engage with their workflow, right? That's the end user. That's the goal, right? And everything that is built into this is tied towards that compared to the MetaQuest or compared to a, a, a VR headset that is a little bit more affordable, but is largely targeted towards the gamer or targeted towards someone who is just casually dabbling into the VR space. And there will be things other than the price tag, of course, that reflect that, right? The number of components, the things that they choose to highlight, right? For um, for the Apple headset, it was focusing on the clarity of the screen. Look how awesome and high resolution this is. You won't need, you won't need to use uh, controllers. You could just use your hands, right? It's all designed to be this kind of high-tech, hyper, kind of very sexy take on using this technology, right? Whereas the MetaQuest is like, no, nah, we still think it should be tactile. You want to be a gamer, all these things. It's much more tied to that, right? And so when I'm shopping and I'm debating things, so of course I'm going to look at price point, but I'm also going to be looking for like, is this designed for me? And how do I know it's designed for me is are the components, are the things that are built into it valuable for the things that I want to get done? If I am a gamer, which I am, right, I'm probably not going to go towards a Mac because as great as it is for video editing, photo editing, right, for all of those different sort of things and creative tasks, it doesn't have the library of games. It doesn't have the, the, the operating system to run all of those things. And it's not customizable. Macs are notoriously not customizable, right? And so I'm going to go towards a PC. Right? And then within that P within the realms of PC, I'm going to also dig deeper into all these different options. All of this to say, right, 
that you in your college search have to go a little bit deeper because I find that in most cases, many of you are looking to buy a Mac when that's not the best computer for you. And because Mac has the price point, it has the the popularity, it has the name branding, right? Many of you are, many of the students that I work with are basically buying a Mac for no other reason. And it turns out the Mac is not for them, right? And they end up with all of these things that aren't translatable to the wider public and greater acceptance, right? Pages is an awesome text development software, but is incompatible with what most of the world is using, right? And so you end up with these tools that don't actually help you with the things that you need to be doing. The college search is kind of the same way. What is the goal of college, right? That is a a question that changes. But the goal of college for most is to secure a career, right? And to make sure that you are ready to move into professional workspace, that you are going to be a competitive applicant, a competitive future employee of an organization, okay? Or you're going to go into grad school, right? You're going to become an academic. You're going to complete your master's degree, maybe pursue a PhD, right? And then you are going to go and pursue whatever other goals that you may have. So based on those goals, right, you need to actually look into what the school is doing to help you towards those goals, right? It's not just about what you get at the very end of it, which is the diploma. It's about the process that you go through and you're not there for half a year and then you get a signed piece of paper from Dartmouth, right? You're there for four, right? And so what is the school actually doing to help you along the way, right? So a lot of students, even the students that dig into like relatively great depth with their school research will just come to me and say like, look, they have this course offering, this course offering, these classes sound cool. Awesome. Right? Those classes probably will be offered at every single other university. So you're not making an argument. You're just basically saying they exist. That's just because you use the word because doesn't mean it's a reason. Okay. And so I want to give you some examples of specificity when doing your college research that it doesn't mean you have to apply to that school, right? But it does mean that you have to think about, okay, what do I actually want? Given the range of things that is available or that are available that is available to me, what do I actually want out of my college experience? And does the school actually provide it? And to find those right? I actually encourage you to look at what our quote unquote, the tier a little bit low were than the Ivy Leagues, right? Than all of these big, big brand name schools. And the reason why is because these schools that are a little bit less popular need to innovate. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, they don't need to innovate. They're going to get a bajillion applicants every single year. There is no incentive for them to take risks, to try new things, to try to court more people, to stay on the cutting edge because they don't need to. They're going to get tons of money in terms of endowment and then they're going into donations and they're getting a ton of applications every year. The tier below and the tier maybe even below that, those are the schools that need to fight. They need international student dollars. They need your attention. They need to start trying things that are proven to be valuable. And so anytime I am looking to help a student engage in some meaningful research, right, I will point them to smaller schools, smaller programs, right, or just schools that are a little bit lower down the list just to see like, hey, 
this is awesome. This unique opportunity is awesome. Okay, great. Now let's take that, the existence of that opportunity or that resource, and now let's go back and look at these top tier schools that you're looking at, and let's evaluate, right? Which schools offer something equivalent to this? So I'll give a couple examples, and I will start with Drexel. Drexel is what many refer to as kind of the the lower Northeastern, right? Um, because similar to Northeastern, they are known primarily for their co-op. Co-op is uh, one of their big calling cards and their requirements for their graduation, right? Every student is going to go off on a three to six month period of full-time employment to explore career options, strengthen their resumes, et cetera, et cetera. And so that already is a part that stands out. Not every, many schools require this for grad, right? Drexel does. But in addition to that, once you start to go into each of their uh, each of their programs, you'll start to see that each program has each major has some unique resources dedicated to it. Okay, so I'm I I every, a lot of students want to go into psychology for any number of reasons, and I will often point them to Drexel because one of the key things for psychology is that if you want to practice, you actually can't really do that much practice with an undergrad. You have to get minimum of a master's. Oftentimes you have to do more than that if we, if your goal is clinical psych, right? And so what's really important is not the co-op necessarily, although those co-op experiences are valuable, but it's about will you set me up to get into a master's program, which is all about research, right? Which is all about having someone who knows you well, who is going to set you up for success in terms of your recommendation letters and proper guidance, because that person is in the position that you ultimately will want to at least be close to, okay? And so Drexel has what is called a faculty first-year mentorship program that is part of the psychology major, right? And if you are interested in psychology at all, right, you are going to be paired from your freshman year right, with a faculty member with a similar clinical or research interest. So you're going to be matched up with faculty who line up with what you are thinking you want to study. And you meet with this faculty mentor pretty frequently, right, to, to explore academic goals, professional goals, right, learn about resources and receive support and guidance, right? And that in turn gives you a built-in advocate for undergraduate research, for summer internships, for your future career, for grad school, right? Drexel has taken the time to recognize that the name Drexel alone isn't necessarily going to turn heads or open doors. So they, like I said, need to innovate, right? Um, a diploma that says Columbia is just inherently going to grab more attention than Drexel. So Drexel needs to say, well, let's prove that these students are capable, right? And, um, and do it that way. And so they line you up very early on, right? Um, with all of that, right? They line you up with a mentor, they line you up with research opportunities from the moment you step foot on their campus. And so that combined with uh, that combined with their co-op, with their study abroad programs, with all of these other things can be one way in which you would start to look. So if a student looks at that and says, that's awesome, I would love to make sure that I am receiving good, strong, solid guidance from day one, because I know I want to do psychology. Great. 
That doesn't mean you have to apply for Drexel, but it means now you have a thing that you could say, you can ask of NYU, hey, do you provide something similar to this? You could ask of UCLA, hey, do you provide something similar to this? Because this is what matters for me, okay? So engage in that sort of research, right? Um, the other school that I wanted to highlight is uh, RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic uh, Institute. Um, they are obviously a very STEM-oriented thing, um, but one of their programs that stands out that is similar to the co-op is what is called the ARCH. Okay, So um, the ARCH is a required of all graduates. Every student has to do it. It is mandatory. And this is what the ARCH is. So between your sophomore and junior year, right, instead of um, going back home or doing whatever, you actually spend summer on campus between your sophomore and junior year for the ARCH, right? And uh, you will be taking courses that are normally offered in the junior year, right? And so you will be accelerating it so that in the fall, rather than spend it on campus, right, you are going to then pursue an individual learning experience, right? This can be a co-op, it can be an internship, it can be civic engagement where you go work for the government or you go to work for some sort of NGO or MPO, research, entrepreneurship, or travel abroad. It is required. And this is kind of how they plan it, right, is that they very wisely have positioned themselves so that you are studying in the summer and then during the fall or the spring when there isn't that much competition for these internships, for these positions, you go out and you get them, right? Because summer is going to be packed with all kinds of students fighting for all kinds of opportunities. Fall and spring, not so much. And you've already actually completed some of your junior year study. So you are advanced academically as well. Okay, and this allows you to engage in co-op, right, while grad still graduating within the four years. So a lot of students who look at a place like Northeastern or look at a place like Drexel are often like, that's awesome, but like, I need to graduate. I don't want to graduate in five years. I want to graduate in four, right? This becomes a way to do so. And it's a requirement. Right. And and Rensselaer is very actively because it's mandatory again. Right. Because it's mandatory. Rensselaer has to dedicate resources to ensuring that every single student can succeed. So they are actively, actively looking to work with all the companies that partner with them, which include things like NASA, include all kinds of multinational corporations. Right. To create new programs that are specifically for Rensselaer kids. Okay, And so. Those become another example of the types of resources that you can then look and say, I'm not going to go to RPI. I'm not even all that interested in STEM. But this ARCH concept is interesting, right? Now, when I'm looking at UMish or when I'm looking at Northwestern or looking at wherever, one of the things I'm going to be looking for or I'm going to be asking about when I go on my campus tour is what do you guys do about this, right? Here is what I want to accomplish, when I want to accomplish it, how are you going to help me do those things? And then finally, I just wanted to talk about this because I love it. It's such a unique program. Occidental, it is a smaller school in LA, but Occidental has one of the more unique programs uh, if you are a poli-sci student interested in poli-sci and is called Oxy at the UN. Occidental has managed to create a partnership with the United Nations, not like some United Nations subsidiary, not some model UN anything, but the actual UN 
to create an Occidental at the UN program. And the way that this works is in your junior slash senior year, you apply, you get in. If you're at Oxy, you apply, you get in, and then you actually will go and you will be assigned to work at um, an official UN agency. Uh, many of the students often then get to actually present uh, something at the General Assembly. They will be doing meaningful, hands-on, direct research according to their interests, combined with the missions, the overall missions and focuses of the United Nations. Right, and so if you're interested in poli sci, right? Yes, you can go to these big name schools. Absolutely, right? It's part of political sciences networking, right? But even if that were the argument. Right? A school like Occidental who is able to offer this and say, like, look, no, if you want to get involved, we will actually pretty much guarantee you that you can do this. Right? And to graduate, not just with a diploma, right, but with the United Nations on your resume, with presenting to the General Assembly on your resume, right? which looks better. Right? Of course, yeah, Princeton's going to look nice on your resume. But once I get past that, I'm going to see 10,000 Princeton resumes. Once I get past that, what are your next action items? Right? What are the other things on your resume once I get past that name of that school? Right? Look, right? And you're like, that's awesome. Who else offers that? Find out. Right? Because now you have a standard and expectation of how good things could be for this incredibly expensive education that you're going to be trying to receive. Right? Now you have this additional highly specific layer right, of what you want. Right? And that's why you need to take some of the way you are going about your research very seriously you need to be thoughtful about it, but also take a look at the schools who actually are fighting to provide a unique, valuable experience for you. Right? Look beyond the top 50 to find some schools that are truly thinking about who's graduating, what, who are they, what are they capable of, what do we need to equip them with to be successful later on in life? Let's do it. Right? Then take those, maybe apply to some of them because those opportunities are awesome. Right? But then also take that and say, like, that's awesome. That's a unique experience that I really think is worth investing in. Do these schools that I also kind of really want to get into do they offer something equivalent? Do I have an option to build it if I really want it? Ask, right? And that will be how you start to refine how you get to the school that you really want to go to, okay? All right, that is it for today. Will you enjoy that little conversation about how to get into, how to think about building your list in a more strategic way, how to leverage the disparity, right, in school name and reputation and ranking to your advantage in your research. And as always, as mentioned, please feel free to reach out to me at Tyler at theaccepted.podcast.com. Do subscribe to this podcast, right, so you can get all the updates that uh, you are going to need for all of this. And thank you so much for your time, right? And remember, as always, the key to getting in is getting ready. Thank you.